Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. We're here at the Oregon Ghost Conference with uh, Ground Zero's Clyde Lewis. The loudspeaker spoke up and said? Ground Zero. It didn't say Red Jimmy? It Red Jimmy's backwards, I think. No, that's what people hear when they're having a very, very high-pitched tone on their phone, on their uh, okay. radio. So, you did a very interesting, I think you creeped some people out. I was sitting in, I don't know, the third or fourth row, yes. and there was some lady shaking. She was she was traumatized. Right. By, I never wanted to traumatize people, but I was getting from the audience. But, but, but here's the terrifying people. But here's the thing: she stayed for the whole thing, so you know she wanted to hear the information. What uh, what Clyde was talking about today? Well, give us an introductory. What were you speaking about? You were speaking about entities basically making a presence through electronics, cell phones, and whatnot. Yeah, I was talking about. Uh, I called it ghost bites, and also there's another thing that I talked about a while ago on the air called Lazarus Project. And just the idea that the dead can speak through computers, speak through phones, they can speak through all kinds of ITC. And uh, there were some stories that I related that some very strange things were happening with people getting phone calls from their dead loved ones. Uh, someone was uh, influenced to kill themselves. And, of course, Loeb, which is this, what they call an Internet cryptid, which was created by a, a Swiss musician using negative prompts to try and find a photo of Marlon Brando. And apparently what happened is they created this corpse-like creature called Loeb, L-O-A-B, and uh, it's just terrifying. You can go online and look at this picture of this this animated corpse or whatever she is that they brought through a computer. It's like bringing some, conjuring the dead on a computer. Okay, so the 14-year-old girl who died, and they, they don't know what she died from. It was a 14-year-old girl in England that apparently what had happened is that she was very depressed, very sad, and uh, they found her dead. She committed suicide. And, <clears throat> excuse me, what they said was that the girl was watching video images and pictures of people committing suicide, jumping off cliffs, uh, very uh, horrible pictures that she probably got off the dark web, they, they suspected. But what happened was they went to trace uh, the, the pictures and where they came from, and they found there was no IPS, no, I'm sorry, no ISP, no address where they could trace them, and so they were saying they were phantom pictures. So when the coroner uh, came forward and spoke at a court a case where they're trying to open it up, the coroner said, oh, we're sorry, but we, it's not safe to call this a suicide. And I'm thinking, well, what does that mean? It's, it's not safe to call it a suicide. That means then there was another party involved and she didn't commit suicide. So either it was some sort of a paranormal event that they couldn't explain or it was something else. And then Jeremy came to me after the set. He gave me a theory about what happened and it blew my mind. Go okay, ahead. so explain tulpamancies for those yeah. who didn't hear it. So what I was talking about earlier was something called tulpamancy where sometimes we can conjure 
a ghost or a spirit or, or some sort of entity by just thinking about it, pronouncing a name, conjuring it up, and it'll show up. There was some sort of a Tulpamancy type of experiment that was done in Canada a while ago. And uh, it was they made it into a movie, and it was really creepy because this person didn't exist, and they conjured him out of thin air, just like they conjured Loeb out of thin air. But the idea, though, here is that she uh, could have, and this is what you were trying to explain, that being as depressed as she was, she could have manifested this tulpa that was sending her pictures and messages about how to kill herself. So, yeah, basically she was uh, generating the content that she then viewed that led her to take her own life, although they didn't want to say that she took her own life. Why? Because they felt that there was some other influence involved? That's what I think. I think that, uh, you know, when you when you say at first she committed suicide and then the coroner comes in and says it's safe to say that it wasn't a suicide. We need to be careful not to call it a suicide. Then what was it? And they, and they would indicate that something within the computer, an algorithm or something basically influenced her to commit suicide or influenced her to die or she died while watching this information on the internet so it's very very vague as to what happened and i think there's a supernatural element to it that they're not explaining and this is why they say it's safe to say or we have to be safe in not calling it a suicide you know today when, when there's crimes you know uh, mass murder or whatever we always want to psychoanalyze the person who did it and and dig into their past and and read their social media profiles and then of course comes the plea well why didn't any of you people report this why are the authorities not taking this seriously and investigating something from within yeah i think that a lot of the time we we underestimate the power of algorithm I think we underestimate the power of influence on the computers because, of course, we have our phones and we use them all the time. But algorithms speak to us. They speak to us and they put us in our own echo chamber. We talk about something like, for example, socks. And immediately you go on the Internet, immediately you're being told socks are for sale. Or you talk about it with a friend, you immediately come home, you're like you're talking about firearms, and all of a sudden you go home and there are all these ads for firearms on your computer. Now, why is that? Well, we can say they're listening to us or something, but then maybe there's all over these algorithms they're around us surrounding us and monitoring us and they're like phantoms they're like ghosts they're like because you don't see an algorithm you just know that it's speaking to you and so it's kind of like a phantom okay so taking this to the next level what do you think about some of this paranormal phenomenon uh, happening in much the same way that we've described where maybe uh, there's no ghost physically present in a location but whoever is present is making this appear well see that's the thing is that uh, back to Tulpamancy, uh, one of the things, uh, those are my listeners who listen to the show know that there's a character that came from a Ouija board session called Dr. Heldor. And Heldor has been very accurate in making predictions with a Ouija board. Well, I had a guest on the program. His name is Diablos Rex, and he's, he's been a member of the Church of Satan, but then he pulled away from it. But he told me, he said, he felt that Dr. Heldor was a tulpa that was created by my audience, and that my audience wanted to know, uh, know the truth, wanted to know something going on. And so they conjured her, that she leapt from the computer onto the Ouija board, and eventually we had a picture sent to us of her just like Loeb and this picture showed her as a woman uh, she said her name was Isoldi Heldor she was a woman and then when they sent the picture she had sort of a burned face part of her face was burned and and so it, it looked like either an entity from the future or an entity from the past and I had no idea what it was but now it's been a part of my life and part of the internet culture within my show that I think that now it's such a large tulpa that people want to know more about what she's thinking.
I know that face creeped out more more than a few people in the audience. It almost reminds you of one of those, I don't know, hitchhiker ghosts or whatever, which which uh, finally here, uh, the story in Arizona oh, yeah. uh, w- with with the truckers who were going down the road. And, and there's this shadow figure that is walking, I think, along the shoulder uh-huh. of the highway. Right. And uh, I've been watching that over and over again, and I can't find an explanation for it. But people have seen these things on the highway many times. Uh, you talk about highway hysteria. Yeah, highway hysteria. I mean, I mean, y- truckers, they, they drive, what, 12, 14 hours? This was late night, so who knows? They may have been up all day. Uh, they may have been starting their day. They film. See. Yeah, they may have been a little groggy. So if you say it's just highway hysteria and these people, uh, you know, they're they're delusional or they're tired or they're worn down, then why was it seen on camera? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if it's something that's a hallucination from a trucker who's taking too much, uh, what they call uh, trucker speed or whatever. Red Bull. Trucker Red Bull or trucker, trucker car cocaine or whatever they take. If, if that's what they're doing is they're having this illusion, then why did it show up on video? It's very fascinating. It's viral. It's been going on the Internet. State Road 87, they were traveling on about. 2, 3 in the morning. And so if you want to do a search on that, it's SR87 Ghost, picked up by truckers. Clyde Lewis, Ground Zero Radio. We're here from the Oregon Ghost Conference. I'm Jeremy Scott of Into the Paranormal. More coming up live on our channel. Into the Paranormal. Paranormal. Live from the Oregon Ghost Conference in Seaside, Oregon, I'm Jeremy Scott of Into the Paranormal. Darren Marler of Weird Darkness, all the way out here from the Midwest. Yeah, hi. I uh, came out here from uh, Chicagoland. Uh, Three-day drive to get here. It's already worth it. Uh, I had so much fun yesterday. We were so packed on a Friday, which is very, very rare for these kinds of things. And it's been so steady all day today. It's been a lot of fun. A lot of meeting a lot of great people, a lot of my own listeners who call themselves weirdos. But I'm making a lot of a lot of new friends here as well, including you. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and your first time to Oregon? I've never been to the state before. Uh, never, never been through Utah before either. So it was a great drive and kind of kind of soaking in the scenery. I, I will, for, for those of you who are not familiar, um, Oregon's wet. That's, I'll, just, I'll just tell you that. Uh, that's, that's all I've really learned about it. It's, it's very beautiful and it's wet. But yeah, um, it's a gorgeous state. Well, this is the first time that I've been coming here that we had snow coming across the passes. So, really? so it, it, it's kind of rare. Uh, what is Weird Darkness all about? Well, uh, it's a podcast. Uh, seven days a week, I do episodes about the paranormal, supernatural, true crime, extraterrestrials, unsolved mysteries, uh, cryptids like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, um, werewolves. Anything strange and macabre uh, ends up in the show. And I, I, pull, I pull stories from just about anywhere that I can find them. I'm a professional voiceover artist. That's what I do for a living. Fell into this. And so now I'm narrating other people's stories. So. Have you heard some wild stories here at the ghost conference yeah one of the, actually one of the uh, one of the organizers of the conference was uh, telling me a story about ghost texting have you talked to her about she's going to be coming up on the show later but we just did a live video with Clyde Lewis whose presentation ghost bites talked a lot about that so the audience is very familiar what do you what do you think of that story uh, it, it blew me away uh, I'm not I've not I'm not used to hearing stories like that. Most of my stories are like from old haunted houses and, and people who had who were who on like haunted property or something along those lines. But it's so rare to hear stories through tech. Um, so the idea that somebody opened up her phone using her fingerprint, because that's the only way she locks her phone with her fingerprint. 
and for for a ghost to type in um, a, a naughty word and send it to her husband, <laughs> and him wondering what on earth. Uh, but apparently, her her daughter had something happen to her as well. Uh, I guess the, the, like the ghost created a bit emoji, doing this uh, shh uh, type of thing and sending that out. I've never heard that before. That that's that's really interesting. So I'm actually it's kind of interesting. I've been doing this for seven years. And I'm still learning new things from pe- just from talking to people at these at these events. Is there in that seven years that you've been doing the show? Is there one particular story that really stands out? Like maybe it makes your your blood boil, or or the hair on the back of your neck stand up, or you get the little goosebumps on your arm, or anything yeah. like that? Um, I I hate that question, by the way. Uh, yeah, that's my specialty, by the way. I like to make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, well, you're doing a great job of it. Congratulations. Um, there is one story that I've actually brought back a few times because it is so disturbing. And it's the only story. I, I, I already have a little disclaimer at the beginning of each episode saying, you know, it's you know, it's not for younger ears and stuff like that. Not for sensitive people. But there's a story about Gertrude Berenuski or Beriansky. Um, they called her the torture mother. It's not paranormal. But what she what she did to her own daughter is the most disgusting thing that I've that I've ever heard. It sickened me to narrate it. I almost didn't release it because it disturbed me so much. But uh, she ended up getting one of her daughters, putting her in the basement. I won't give all the details. Uh, put her in the put her in the basement, uh, chained her up down there. Not only did she have her own her own sons uh, and daughters t- tormenting her. But actually got their friends around the neighborhood to come in and start doing things to her in um, brutal, sexual ways. And it's, 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 it, it is the epitome of evil. And that would be the paranormal aspect of it, I guess. If you're looking for paranormal, this, this woman, you, she had to be possessed. Because uh, I have a hard time seeing somebody be that evil and doing that kind of thing without having some sort of demonic influence. Did, did, was she arrested? Did she die? What? What? what how did? How did it? Oh yeah, she. Uh, she, uh, she was definitely, uh, definitely imprisoned. I think she died in prison. I don't think she. I don't think she uh, ended up getting the death penalty. I think she was on death row, but uh, but she just didn't last long enough to get there. But yeah, she she definitely got her due. It's nice to meet you, Darren. Yeah, you too. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, Darren Marler from uh, Weird Darkness. I'm Jeremy Scott. More into the paranormal from the Oregon Ghost Conference coming up. Into the paranormal. We're here at the Oregon Ghost Conference with the author of many of these wonderful books that you see in front of us, including Portland's Rose City Ghosts, Vancouver USA Ghosts, Haunted Astoria, Ghost Critters in Sacred Places of Washington and Oregon. I'm going to be picking up one of these books as soon as we're done with the interview. We're here with Jeff Davis, who you've seen on Alaskan Killer Bigfoot as well from the Travel Channel. Jeff, welcome to the Oregon Ghost Conference. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So tell us about why you got involved in talking about these stories of the strange. Well, I, even from childhood, I was always interested in the odd and unusual. And uh, it's, that actually got me interested in anthropology, archaeology, and, and folklore and ghost stories. And uh, I think society has actually loosened up. When I was a kid, people used to think I was strange. Society's kind of caught up with me. And the Pacific Northwest has its 
has a plethora of ghost stories. Uh, ghost stories. We've also got, uh, I just use the term critters, which is Bigfoot, Sasquatch, but we've got lake monsters. And, In the Northwest, lake monsters? Yeah, uh, lake monsters. Now that I've said that, I'm trying to remember which lakes. But, uh, yeah, uh, there a lot of these larger lakes are very old lakes, and they seem to have their own creatures in them, some of them. And uh, off the coast, big uh, uh, Loch Ness kind of monsters at sea. So it's all pretty interesting. Now, uh, I see you have a book here, Haunted Astoria. What is your favorite story from that book? Uh, my favorite story actually does involve uh, the Flavel House, which is now a museum. And yeah, and yeah, we talked about that yesterday, but we couldn't really get much into the history. I think maybe because of some legalities or just wanting to uh, keep that uh, to themselves. But what can you tell us about this residence? Because that's here in in Seaside, or is it Astoria? Uh, the Flavel House is in Astoria. And uh, the Flavel House Museum is the house of Captain George Flavel, who became very, very wealthy and important in Astoria. He was one of the first uh, first uh, ships pilots who was able to navigate ships through uh, through the sandbars from the mouth of the Columbia River in the in the Pacific Ocean. So that led to kind of not quite a monopoly, but he became very famous, and he invested in lumber, shipbuilding, and so on, and. Uh, and when he finally retired, uh, he was able to build the finest house in Astoria. And, uh, and so uh, he and his wife, who was kind of a child bride, uh, and his two daughters lived in there for many, many years. Uh, his son, George Conrad Flavel, built a house on the other side of Astoria. And the, the, it's some years later, of course, the family donated the house to, to, uh, to the historical society where it became the George Flavel House Museum. So where do the ghosts come in? Well, uh, among other things, people believe that Captain Flavel still haunts his bedroom and that uh, uh, in one case, a radio personality uh, stayed overnight at the entrance to the bedroom because uh, clairvoyant said that stepping through from the hallway into the bedroom, that was the first step on the way to hell. And Captain Flavel actually doesn't seem as scary as he does just mischievous. Uh, in in a lot of cases, people, docents and volunteers will be cleaning in Captain Flavel's room and things like the, uh, uh, the vacuum cleaner will unplug itself. Gizmos will go a little wonky uh, and o- doors will open and close. Doors that were closed will be open and if they were closed or open, they'll be closed. But in the on the ground floor is the music room. All of the Flavel daughters, well, the daughters and Mrs. Flavel were very much into music and singing. Uh, the two daughters both took voice lessons, and they toured Europe a couple of times, kind of working on their craft. And uh, one of the docents told me many years ago that the, the house was closed up and she was taking her family outside, walking through the grounds, and that uh, they were standing in front of the window looking into the music room, and their, their camera captured two women in period clothing looking out at them. And they used to have a music box that uh, was one of those wind-up music boxes and in the autumn, only the autumn, it would start playing, even though nobody had wound it. 
Wow, that is some creepy stuff. Uh, you have uh, Spirit Tales at the Vancouver Barracks, which is up there in Vancouver. Uh, tell us about what goes on there. Uh, yeah, I I actually was was born in Vancouver, Washington, and as a kid, my dad was stationed there, so I grew up around the barracks. Uh, I enlisted in the Army Reserves when I was 17. I put in a 30-plus year career. And, Thank you. Uh, most of the time, it was a pleasure, except for every now and then, my shoulder. But uh, no, I, I, my last set of assignments, I was, I was a military historian. And so I, because it's kind of in my blood, uh, I do historic walks and this and ghost walks that are, I think what makes a ghost story interesting is the history behind it. What happened to cause a house to be haunted? So I do ghost walks there uh, starting in June through Halloween. Can you share us one of those experiences that you've had at the barracks? Uh, absolutely. And, and this, is, this is more public so that people can actually visit the Vancouver barracks even in daylight and something may happen. That the parade ground in front of all the big barracks buildings is haunted and is haunted by ghostly sentry. And people, even in daytime, some people have been driving by the barracks and they claim to have seen a man standing in the center of the parade ground uh, wearing a 19th century army uniform carrying a rifle with a bayonet. And at night, some people claim to have been challenged by the ghost. Now, when I do the ghost walks, I will travel with a, a, a lantern. It's, it's LED lights. And when I stop to tell his story, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, the lights will start flickering. And mm. an LED light, they flicker. flicker. They either get dimmer and dimmer, and then they go out. And so, uh, yeah. And then they'll go out. They'll flicker. They'll go out. And I turn them off a couple times, and then they're fine. So even weird stuff happens to me out there. How can folks contact you? Uh, my website is ghostsandcritters.com. And uh, my email address is jddavis at rocketmail.com. And if, if you even forget that, if you Google Jeff Davis plus Oregon Ghosts, uh, usually my website pops right up. And potentially on a season two of Alaskan Killer Bigfoot? I wish. Uh, Alaskan Killer Bigfoot uh, in Portlock, Alaska. Uh, very, very briefly in the history behind this. It's a fishing community with a cannery. Uh, the operations really started in the very early 1900s. By 1949, they had over 100 seasonal employees, but they seemed to have woke something up in the hills. And they had over a dozen people go up into the hills hunting that, that disappeared or later their bodies were found washed downstream. In 1949, they abandoned, virtually overnight, they abandoned the town. And uh, just recently, uh, they looked at reestablishing their operations and living down there. And so we, uh, I was up there because I am a historian. And we talked about, I talked about uh, European exploration. And we had uh, eight great episodes. And we're hoping that uh, when some of the economic things change, that they renew the show. We hope so as well. Jeff, thank you for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Jeff Davis here at the Oregon Ghost Conference. I'm Jeremy Scott into the Parabnormal. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. 
Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.